Meeting the people in your community. Here's Lisa Kay with Talk of the Town. We're back on Talk of the Town. It's Lisa Kay in the KTOE studio, spending a little time outdoors with our friend Dan Ryder. Dan is the information officer for the South Region of the DNR. Dan, how are you doing? Hey, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Just coming off of a long weekend and... Uh, you know, hey, summer is my favorite time of year. It really is. I, I really enjoy those uh, long summer days, those humid evenings. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is uh, kind of my time of year. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you're right in it. I think if I had to pick one, it would be the fall. But I just oh, love yeah. the, the colors changing and all of that. But I do love me some summer, too. It felt like we went right from winter to summer. So Yeah, I think we had about like three days of spring. Yeah. That's about it. That's about it. The last time I ran into you, we were at the governor's fishing opener where you were busy in full force. And, and that, uh, you know, the overall um, event was really good, really well done. Yeah, you know, uh, um, it, it, those uh, events are so much fun. They really are. Um, you reconnect with old friends. You meet new friends. Everybody's got something in common. We're all talking about fish. We're all looking forward to uh, promoting uh, the local community and all that it has to offer. And Mankato did a fantastic job of promoting all that is, you know, along the Minnesota River. And, uh, hey, by the way, we've got good fishing down here. So uh, lots of uh, activities for folks to enjoy. And uh, it was just fun seeing everybody. Yeah, it certainly was. And, and we got a chance to connect and, and learn a little bit about what's coming up, too. Something that I don't really know much about that you said, hey, the, the, well, the pheasant opener is coming in October. So we're looking forward to that. And that's going to be held in Owatonna. Yeah, that's right. First time ever uh, in Steele County, and uh, you know the the last time it was held this far east was actually in Austin in 2019, and uh, you know th- those folks did a fantastic job too. But uh, yeah, last year it was in Worthington, um, and uh, you know we missed the the two prior years because of the pandemic. But uh, you know a, a lot of those events have been held. In uh, western and southwestern Minnesota, when you think pheasants, uh, certainly that that is natural. But uh, Steele County has a lot of um, good pheasant habitat and uh, public lands to be hunted. So really looking forward to that. And uh, that'll be October 13th and 14th. There'll be some public events for uh, the community to come out and enjoy. One will be a celebration of public lands. uh, dedicating a, a new parcel of a wildlife management area just southwest of Owatonna. There will also be uh, what we call a food truck flocking uh, at Central <laughs> Park where uh, folks can, uh, you know, co-mingle with the locals. And, uh, you know, it'll just be a really, really fun time. And uh, can I get you to commit to coming to Owatonna October 13th and 14th for the Minnesota Governor's Pheasant Hunting Opener. You know we're going to be there, of it's course. It's going to be so much fun. Lisa. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do our show out there live. I think that's going to be a great time. You know, we don't get there without things that are going on right now. And right now, uh, it, this is about the time where we're watching, you're watching the pheasant hatch, right? Because if we don't have anything to hunt, if we don't have hatch. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, the first couple of weeks of June is uh, really the the peak time for the pheasant hatch. And, uh, you know, incubation time for those eggs, you know, usually about 25 days, and you get about uh, 12 eggs to a clutch. And, uh, you know, they just need good grassland habitat. So we ask folks this time of year, 
hold off on mowing those ditches. You know, in the past, uh, there had always been that request to hold off until August 1st or later. Um, you, you know, I, I think this year, um, you know, August 1st might be a little bit late just because we've had really good weather for the pheasant hatch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what I mean by that is, you know, if you have cold, wet weather during nesting season, those nests are more likely to fail. But, you know, the last half of May and the first half of June have been pretty dry. So that's been pretty favorable. Now, if we continue to have drought-like weather continue, that could be a problem. But, you know, the, those little pheasant chicks, um, uh, they eat insects. Um, and, you know, that, that wet spring right now is going to be the thing that kind of carries that insect population and uh, uh, subsequently sustains the, uh, the pheasant chicks uh, for right now. So, you know, some, some fun facts about pheasants. Uh, re-nesting attempts can um, can hatch as late as the end of August in some years. And, you know, I have seen some of that when I've been out in the field hunting. Um, you've, you get some really dull-colored roosters. You know, they haven't really achieved that full, colorful plumage yet. Sure. Um, so that can happen. And, you know, in spite of being capable of laying multiple clutches each year, a hen will only hatch one set of chicks or, you know, one brood per breeding season. Uh, and the hens will not re-nest if they lose their brood that year. So if they lose their eggs, they'll re-nest. They lose the babies, they will not re-nest. Oh, that's so, interesting. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. And those newly hatched chicks weigh just 18 grams on average. And, you know, they're just like little little puff balls, huh. you know, and they're covered with downy feathers. They can walk, they can feed themselves right away, and they, they follow the hen away from the nest. Uh, and then within a week, the young pheasants begin to grow flight feathers, but, and, you know, they can only fly short distances, but by the age of three weeks, they can fly up to 150 feet, uh, but they'll stay with their mother for at least 10 weeks. So uh, it's just kind of interesting learning about the biology of a young pheasant. And, you know, this is the time of year. It's, it's, it's a critical time for them. So uh, kind of a no-mo may continued for a different reason. That sounds like a, a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, pheasant populations really rely on two major factors. Um, habitat, as we kind of touched on and weather, which we also touched on. So, uh, you know, a tough winter can really decimate uh, a pheasant population. And, you know, we had a pretty rough winter, in my estimation. Yeah, we did. I mean, how did we have birds that were okay? I mean, did we come through it okay? You know, I I was surprised uh, last weekend just at the number of roosters that I saw personally. Um, I'm told that, yeah, there was some winter mortality, but the wildlife manager's really were pleasantly surprised this spring. Um, and uh, like I had mentioned, I saw a lot of uh, pheasants, almost all roosters last weekend. Um, so, and, you know, the other good part, if you're not seeing hens on the roadside, that's a good thing because it means they're busy, uh, busy at home with their nest or their brood. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I saw just a, a bunch of roosters last weekend. So that's a really good sign. Um so that's, that's the weather aspect. And then touching on the habitat aspect, um, pheasant populations peaked in the uh, 
1950s during what what is termed the old soil bank days. That was a government program to okay. you know, basically uh, for conservation. So there were robust populations in the 1980s when I was a kid, um, and that a lot of that had to do with CRP acreage, uh, another government program, a conservation program. Mm-hmm. So as more as the, more of that land was put back into production, pheasant populations dropped. Okay. So uh, there is that correlation there. Uh, and, you know, it should be noted, too, the DNR overall manages land for overall wildlife populations. So really, those larger complexes are preferred over a patchwork of uh, small uh, parcels of grasslands and, and public lands. So, um, you know, that's, that's really when we manage the landscape, that's kind of what we're aiming for. Right. That's really interesting. I mean, especially if you're not a hunter, I'm not a hunter, so I didn't know all of those things about pheasants. Uh, I didn't even know that they nested and we're not supposed to be mowing and and watching for that. Um, So a lot of fun facts that we're learning from the DNR today. Dan Ryder joining us, the information officer for the South Region of the DNR. Um, The state also has some land for sale, I understand. Tell me about this. Yeah, so sometimes uh, the DNR manages a parcel that no longer fits its goal. Maybe something changed on the landscape around it, or we've learned that uh, you know the the um, that parcel of land isn't actually doing the job that uh, it was designed to do, or sometimes it's advantageous to sell a parcel to take the proceeds and buy something else that might be um, threatened, uh, you know, a sensitive resource that might be threatened that we can actually protect. So right now, the DNR has 10 properties for sale online uh, through an auction. So the parcels are located in Clearwater, Itasca, and Wadena counties. Some have minimum bids. Uh, In fact, one does not. They range in size from 2 acres to 40 acres. Uh, Some are on lakefronts, some are on riverfronts. One's located in, in wetlands, so depending on what you want to do with it, um, you know, some of them, I, I would imagine, would be um, buildable uh, on, on lakefront. Um, one's probably really not good for anything other than just hunting. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, overall, you know, why we sell state-owned lands, look, the DNR manages 5.6 million acres of land, okay. and we have this system called um, Strategic Land Asset Management. Um, and, you know, we in government, we like our acronym, so we call it SLAM, <laughs> S-L-A-M, so okay. Strategic Land Asset Management. And that's the process that evaluates land holdings and looks for ways to improve conservation, recreation, and economic opportunities. So when a parcel no longer meets those conservation or recreation goals, or they're just isolated from larger management areas or parcels, um, the most common way uh, that the DNR deals with it is is, is selling it via public auction. And those proceeds uh, from those sales are often reinvested in purchasing higher quality parcels, something that really helps us accomplish our goals. So, um, you know, and and if uh, any of those parcels aren't of interest to you, there will be more uh, at an auction later this year. So uh, more details on that uh, year's second land sale will be uh, at the Minnesota State Fair this summer. So you can stop by uh, DNR Park um, at the Minnesota State Fair uh, to learn some more details. But but really, if you are curious, uh, the DNR has a wealth of information on the webpage. Uh, just go to mndnr.gov and then click on the land sale link. 
So I know that we had a lot of things going on at our state parks this past weekend. You had told me about some of them. I know the weekend before there was like a free day at Minnesota State Parks. So um, yeah. there's a lot of different things to keep us occupied. Yeah, in fact, you know, like last Saturday, uh, there was a, a state park naturalist program uh, out at Flandreau Calls of the Night. So, um, you know, spoiler Spoiler alert, it has nothing to do with telephones. It has everything to do with, you know, listening to wildlife, you know. Um, so kind of cool. Nurstrand Big Woods State Park, if you've never been there, I highly recommend that one. That is uh, between Faribault and Northfield. Uh, they've, they had a program last Saturday on animal tracks. And then in the evening, one about owls. And, um, you know, Sibley State Park on, on Father's Day had a morning mindfulness hike. So, uh, pretty cool. But, you know, this Saturday, June 24th, um, Minneopa State Park is going to have a wildflower hike. Uh, that'll uh, take place at uh, 10 a.m. So that's just an opportunity to really discover all the colors out on the trails. Um, so it's going to be about a one-mile hike, and it'll cover some of um, some of the terrain that includes forest, prairie, and wetland landscapes with a bluff trail overlooking the Minnesota River Valley. So uh, bring your bug spray and uh, meet at the group camp picnic area at 10 a.m. So these programs are free, by the way. Uh, you just need your state park pass in order to uh, attend. Uh, and also, um, next Saturday at 1 o'clock, they've got an introduction to ornithology. So if you're into birds... Uh, that could be a good program to learn. Um, so you just meet at the picnic shelter uh, one o'clock. It'll be a program uh, that'll be about 45 minutes, uh, followed by a 30-minute hike. Again, uh, wear good shoes, bring bug spray, sunscreen, um, because uh, our naturalist is going to be sharing some tips and tricks how to easily identify birds using their flight patterns, bird songs, and their foraging behavior. Mm -hmm. So again, one o'clock uh, out at Minneopa State Park uh, picnic shelter. Dan, you mentioned getting that park pass. It's easy. I, I got mine online this year, uh, so it's mm -hmm. it's super simple. Yeah, it is really easy. Um, you know, you can go to uh, mndnr.gov and uh, look for uh, the the state park pass uh, link. Um, super easy. Comes in the mail. Uh, you know, done by credit card. But, of course, if you want to stop in at uh, Minneopa State Park, uh, you can certainly do that. Um, just know that sometimes uh, office hours can be a little bit limited. So um, if you want to do the online um, uh, way of doing business, certainly I have done that in the past as well. Works real slick. And, of course, again, understand that I have a little bit of a bias here. <laughs> but when you think about it, you, you know, $35 for 12 months of enjoyment gets yeah. you into all 75 state parks and state recreation areas. And uh, it's just a really awesome bargain, if you, uh, if you ask me. And, you know, uh, it was just kind of fun. Um, you know, last year, uh, my son and I did the North Shore. And, you mm. know, we just mm -hmm. came and went as we wanted. No lines. It's, it's very nice. The year before that, uh, we went to Itasca. And, again, you know, just able to drive in with the bikes like we own the place. It was a, it was a beautiful thing. And, uh, of course, we do own it because it belongs to all of us. It is public land. So, um, and, and I just really, really, um, you know, love the opportunity to just enjoy all these different resources 
uh, that are made available to us. Uh, speaking of things that are made available to us uh, with our last few minutes, let's talk about something that, well, I just got finished with, right? Because you do this Wednesdays at noon. Talk a little bit about what just, what just happened and how people can get involved next Wednesday at noon. Yeah. So, yeah, just a few minutes ago, Joe Unger, uh, he's our off-highway vehicle program guy. Um, he discussed um, our off-highway vehicles uh, trails. So he talked about where to go, how to stay safe, other helpful information uh, when you're exploring our system of off-highway vehicle trails. Um, this is part of the Minnesota Outdoor Skills and Stewardship Series. <clears throat> They're webinars that are offered year-round. They're free. Every Wednesday at noon, all you have to do is go to the webpage mndnr.gov slash discover, and you can learn um, uh, all about what, what um, is going on in the outdoors. Um, and we have um, past versions, too. So it could be things about um, how to bear hunt, how to train your dog ahead of pheasant hunting season, um, you know, uh, facts about the Minnesota Bison Conservation Herd and uh, the herd at Minneapolis State Park. Lots of fun activities every Wednesday at noon, mndnr.gov slash discover. Now we have some air quality issues that have been happening around the country and and affecting us uh, even here in the area, Um, but burning restrictions really don't have anything to do. That's not our air that's coming down here. It's uh, Canada, correct? (laughs) No, and you can probably hear it in my voice. It's kind of getting to me a little bit. But, yeah, if you're going up north, beware of burning restrictions. Um, Yeah, the vegetation up there is green, but don't be um, fooled. Uh, it is dry up there, and the current fire situation uh, is dangerous. You know, as of last uh, Thursday, there was uh, a fire um, just west of the Gunflint Trail. Mm. So, uh, yeah, there's burning restrictions up there. So, um, you know, for the locals, of course, no burning permits. But, you know, the bigger thing um, for our uh, recreationists, there's no recreational campfires allowed for dispersed remote backpacking or backcountry camping and you know the thing that i'm really thinking of is uh you know uh, those folks that go camping in the boundary waters yeah no campfires allowed in the boundary waters now there are allowances made for like those little propane burners um but you know the nice thing about those you turn the knob and the fire is out um but uh you know as far as uh open burning uh campfires no uh no campfires allowed in uh, Carleton, Cook, Lake, and St. Louis counties. We're going to take this last moment of our time together, Dan, and say a big congratulations going out to a Mankato West graduate. Let's talk a little bit about Jeremy Henke. Yeah, big congratulations to uh, Conservation Officer Henke. Uh, He is stationed in Elbert Lee, and he recently received a life-saving award. So, uh, Officer Henke was checking anglers when he heard local police officers receive a call about an unconscious person near his location. So he responded immediately to the scene. Um, and while an Albert Lee police officer began CPR, Officer Henke prepared the uh, uh, automatic, the, the AED, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the acronym escapes me, but the defib- defibrillator, um, and he delivered a shock. So ambulance personnel arrived shortly thereafter. They delivered two more shocks to the man before transporting him to the hospital, and he lived. So, you know, congratulations to Officer Henke for uh, his life-saving award. And uh, I know there are some listeners out there that remember Jeremy Henke's uh, days for Mankato West. And, uh, 
you know, I'd consider him one of the nicest guys in the Department of Natural Resources and just what a wonderful person and, uh, you know, no one more deserving than Officer Henke. Sounds like you're lucky to have him. Dan from the DNR. Dan, if we want to get any more information on anything that we've talked about today, is the website the best place to go? Yeah, that's right. It is uh, mndnr.gov. So uh, you can learn about, you know, what's new in the DNR. You can learn about um, what fish are stocked in your local lake. You can learn about uh, state park programming coming up, all kinds of stuff. So, And if you can't find what you're looking for, there's a convenient uh, search box in the upper right-hand corner. So, yeah, mndnr.gov. Dan Ryder with the DNR. Hey, thanks. We'll talk to you next time. You bet. Have a great Wednesday, everyone.